Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. What do simple obedience, engaging the community, and missionary training have in common? We'll talk about that and more. This is the Engaging Mission Show, episode 178, with David Kaufman. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks for coming back to the Engaging Missions Show. We want to provide a way for thousands of people to hear a message, make a connection, and take action. I do want to mention that this is a special edition of the show. Normally, I don't have two in the same week, but this one has an opportunity tied to it that's timely, and we would have missed it if I stuck with the regular production schedule. So I just wanted to kind of call that out. You don't normally get two every week, but it does happen from time to time. This week, we're going to talk about engaging the community, training missionaries, and how obedience leads to further revelation. And part of this may appeal to you, and you may be interested in learning more, so we do have some contact information that you can catch as well. We're also going to talk about some ideas for building relationships with missionaries and growing a heart for God's mission in, on the earth in children. We're going to hear a little bit from Brian Hogan as we tie a bow on a current section of Stories from Mongolia. And then I'd also like to say, before we get too far into this, thanks for the additional feedback, TC. I really appreciate it. She emailed me. I had actually emailed her and asked her a question. She had some feedback for me, and I greatly appreciated that. She's been a friend of the show for a while, and I just want to say publicly, TC, thanks for your feedback. With that, I'm not going to take any more time from David. We're just going to head right into my conversation with him about what's going on at City Church Network and some of the other things that he has going on. All right, let's get started. Today, I am really excited to have David Kaufman rejoining me for the Engaging Missions show. He was with us back in episode 31, which aired or was published in October of 2014. David is a church planter in the greater Nashville area. He and his wife have four children, and his greatest joy is training church planters and missionaries to spread the gospel and to plant new churches until there's no place left. David, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Brian, for having me. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure. And I know that a lot has changed since we talked nearly three years ago, but I'm wondering, can you maybe sum up for us what it is that you do and who you are and maybe just a couple of sentences to give us a little context before we start going deeper? Absolutely. As you mentioned, my greatest joy is is seeing the Great Commission fulfilled 
through raising up ordinary Christians and disciple makers to to plant new churches in the harvest. And so one of the things we've done over the last three years is continue to train and equip missionaries through Bible studying and through getting in the Word together and looking at what Jesus' strategy was for making disciples and training leaders and planting churches, and then also looking at the Apostle Paul. And so that's really been a real focus over the last three years for me is just as really letting the Word speak to me and then and letting and, and asking God. God to raise up people around me that I can train and pour my life into. So that's been a real equipping, mentoring, disciple-making, training. Uh, all those things have been a real joy and a real focus of mine over the last three years. Wow, that's great. I'd like to kind of maybe just key in on a little bit on God talking to you and then raising up the leaders around you. How is it that you approach the scriptures and your prayer life and keeping your eyes open that you're you're able to hear from God what it is that he's doing and then also recognize the leaders that are being raised up? That's a great question. For me, it really is going to the Word and letting the Word do the work. What I mean by that is not not trying to read into the Bible what the Bible is trying to say, but letting, but really saying, Holy Spirit, teach me today. Letting Jesus be the hero of every story. Letting Christ be be preeminent from Genesis to Revelation, and then really allowing the Bible really to instruct my path and light my path. And so when I read the Bible, I see a missionary God, Jesus being obviously the main hero of the story. But then I see I see God always pursuing people. I see God always desiring to exalt himself through his word. And then I see God calling us to be a light to the nations. You see that in Isaiah. You see that in obviously in the New Testament when Jesus sends out his disciples, telling them to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And so I, I really feel like that our God is a missionary God, and that when we join God in his mission, we're, we're joining God in his will and his purpose. So when I read the word, I see that all over the place. And so just really being formed by the word and being taught and instructed so that I can being yielded to the Holy Spirit and then and then taking action, letting, you know, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And so really saying how Jesus commissions us to make disciples, how Jesus commissions us to pray and to give and to go and to uh, equip others. All these things are not optional. They're commands Mm. by Jesus. And so as we become yielded and and become directed by the Lord Jesus and we read his word, we obey his word. And so I guess that's been over the last three years as well. Just a real continued growth for me is how do I obey Jesus through his holy word? And as I obey Jesus through his holy word, he gives me more, teaches me more, and he shows me more of how I can follow him through the instructions and the, and the discipleship of his word. I'm really glad that you shared the, the piece about obedience because I'm thinking maybe there's a key in there for me, and I'll share a little bit about what I'm talking about. One of the things that I've discovered having grown up in church and spent time in the Word over decades now is that sometimes when God starts to reveal something new to me, it can be really hard to let go of the ways that I've previously understood or previously interpreted something. It seems like one of the keys I hear you sharing is that you're obedient to what God's showing you, and then that leads to more revelation. Is, is that accurate? That's, again, Brian, very insightful. Absolutely. Again, as I'm obeying Jesus through his word, he teaches me more about himself, which is very natural in a relationship. As you learn about someone and as you learn to listen to them, you you, you see the person's heart. And so I think as we're reading the love letters, as we're reading the the, this, the, the beautiful scriptures 
and we learn to obey them and we learn to to be yielded to them again we see god reveal more of himself to us through his word and it's just a it's just a really a beautiful kingdom principle i think that that it's all throughout the scriptures and that you know god desires he has revealed himself through his word and as we read his word and as we obey it he reveals more of it to us because he said, okay, this is a person with whom I can entrust more to. I can grow in the gospels, grow in revelation, grow in knowledge. And so I think as we grow in godliness as we and, and really a spiritual humility, I think that's something else I've, I'm really trying to walk in. Again, that sounds – you have to be very <laughs> careful in how, how you say that, but being yielded to Christ through his word is, is how you walk in spiritual humility. Okay. So, so as we, as we look back over the last two or three years, you mentioned that God has shown you a lot that, you know, it's had to do with mentoring and raising up leaders and things like that. And that it comes a lot through obedience to his word and being humble. Can you maybe point out one specific thing that God's revealed to you over that time and, and how it is that he walked you through that transition from what you used to believe to what you believe now? You know, I think for me, there is a scripture, Acts, Acts 19.10, where it says the word of God spread in this region of, of, of Asia Minor o- over a two-year period. And as we look at scripture and as we study history at that time, this was an area of, you know, 30 to 40 million people. And the apostle Paul, with, with such diligence, with also such love and care, was willing to have such an audacious statement. And the reason why he said that is because he had raised up leaders and disciples all over strategic places. He had trained leaders. He had cast vision. He had he had gone to the places that God had called him to. And he had ran his race really well in a region. And, and therefore, he must go to the unevangelized. He must go to Spain, which we, we tie that in with Romans 15, 23, where Paul says, there's no place left for me to work from, from Jerusalem to Achillium. Ericlium. And so we see this as this, this, this parallel scriptures, Acts 19.10 and Romans 15.20. And, and, and as I study this, and other, other friends of mine have studied this, it just, it just is mind-blowing, the boldness and the audacity of Paul to say this, but also the intentionality and the strategic nature of how Paul worked in a region of the, of the, of the world. And so for me, what, what God has taught me is he has placed me in Nashville, Tennessee, an area of 1.4 million unchurched, which, again, not a, not a huge number to some, but for others, mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I look at my city and I say, could, could I say in two years from now, there's no place left for me to work in Nashville? And I believe I could if I took the same approach as Paul, which is going to strategic places around Nashville, raising up strategic leaders, intentionally discipling them, praying for them, equipping them, and then moving on to the next part of the city. Hmm. And so we have worked very diligently to map out Nashville into 14 key areas. And then within those 14 key areas, we want to have strategic leaders and disciple makers to be raised up so that they can be planting, reproducing churches and, and making new disciples of Jesus. Okay. Now, when we talked last, about three years ago, I think that you and James Harvey were doing something similar to that in the the Antioch area, a particular area where there are a lot of multicultural opportunities. Is that consistent with what you're doing now, or has something shifted with that? 
very consistent with what we're doing now. I guess when we when we started out and we were very aggressive and, and zealous and we saw a lot of people come to Christ, we had no pattern and rhythms and, and sustainability factors. And so what we try to do now is raising up intentional leaders who will commit to planting new churches, identifying them as church, and then training them on a, on a weekly basis so they're equipped. And then I would just say the mission has expanded to more of a citywide strategy versus just a more of a localized strategy. So just a, just a progression and, and hopefully a continuation of the strategy. So, so now we're actually working in five key areas of the city. And our hope is, like I was saying earlier, we've identified 14 districts, if you will, or regions of the city. And so our hope is to get to all 14 regions in the next 12 to 24 months. Wow, that's great. With that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus and go a little bit deeper in the ministry. Sounds good. I'd like to take just a minute to tell you about another podcast that I think that you should check out. If you enjoy the Engaging Missions show, you definitely want to check out the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland. He's been a guest on the show, he's a friend of the show, and he's just recently finished up a series where he was on location in Thailand talking with some missionaries there about leadership. I thought it was a really, really interesting discussion. You can check that out at fxmissions.com. I think it's worth your time to at least give it a second to check it out. All right, we're back with David Kaufman. He's been sharing a little bit about what God has revealed to him over the last two or three years, what's changed in his ministry. Now we're shifting our focus more to what's going on. So David, I understand that you are working on launching a missionary training school. Can you share a little bit more about that? Absolutely, Brian. Again, as I've been studying the scriptures and I've been hearing the call of God on on making disciples and planting new churches, the Lord has given us a wonderful vision of training missionaries and church planters strategically here in Nashville. And so I am working towards a four-month missionary training school with a couple of my co-laborers in the gospel. And uh, that four-month school will involve three key phases. The first phase will be basic skills, leadership skills. The second phase will be support raising equipping because as as self-sustaining missionaries learning how to raise support. And the third phase will be what we call fishing and farming. Mm -hmm. And fishing and farming is simply fishing for new leaders and farming in a community. And and, and so this really the strategy of Jesus of fishing and farming and, and really making new disciples and outreach. And so we're launching this new missionary training school in mid February. We have two couples currently committed to being part of that school. We're looking for two more couples to join us in this mission endeavor. And so that's one of our newest things we're launching. And we believe this will help us be catalytic and seeing more full-time workers. By God's grace, we've actually added five new full-time families to our team here in Nashville. Mm. And with that team, we have developed a No Place Left residency program. And we are uh, really excited about this program. It's an 18-month journey with these full-time workers. And this 18-month journey entails reading the Bible through a couple times. Uh, We meet every single week for what we call Team Church, which Team Church, we're just modeling and equipping and holding each other accountable. And then two other components to it. We encourage them every week to train new believers. And then the third is to be out in the harvest or be out in the community sharing the gospel. So this has been a new, awesome endeavor. We've launched this back in January. Like I said, we have five full-time workers that are part of this No Place Left residency program. So just two different tracks right now, but ultimately the goal is more equipped disciple makers and more uh, catalytic workers for the harvest. So that's really been a real push 
over the last two to three years for me as I send workers and commission workers and help more and more people become multiplying disciples of Jesus. Okay. So I think we'll get back to going a little bit deeper on those, but if somebody's listening to this and they're going, hey, that might sound a little bit interesting, but I I need to know more before I start moving forward. Is there a place or a way where they can find out more information about either of these two programs? Absolutely. For the four-month training school, the website is smfnashville.com. So S as in Sam, M as in missions, and F as in Frank, nashville.com. And that would be uh, that there's a lot of information on that website. And then for the more full-time workers and just the, the nature of our network, City Church, C-I-T-Y, Church, C-H-U-R-C-H, dot network. So citychurch.network is our website for the, for the ministry there. Excellent. So, and I guess for, for those of you that are listening, make sure that you stop by the show notes if you're interested. We'll make sure to have all of that stuff linked up for you so you don't have to try and text it to yourself while you're on your way to work or something like that. Now, David, as we think about the, the training school that you have, I think that it's based on the GFM model. Is that accurate? That is, that is accurate. And so one of the things that I really appreciate about that model is it's not a, you know, multiple years in the classroom followed by hopefully multiple years overseas or something like that. It's kind of a side-by-side thing. Can you maybe share a little bit more about the structure of the classes and the the curriculum? Absolutely. Yes. So we are uh, looking at three days a week in the classroom, each module being about nine hours of classroom work. And then we have very active practical things of outreach in the community. So you have rhythms of classroom, academic environment, and then it is a four-month training school. So it's a very robust, very quick, very accelerated model. But it's also based on, again, past performances and, 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 and preparation. So we're looking at people that, that definitely exhibit a call, and, but also at the same time want to be trained and equipped to go. And then we have – the cool thing is we have key partners all over the world that we can partner these missionaries with. Mm. So this is that's a real hopefully catalytic experience, and so we've we've worked with the GFM guys, and and they've helped us immensely. Nathan and Grant and those guys have been tremendous and just helping us. And so I really really appreciate Grant specifically. He sat down with me a couple months ago at a at a conference and just helped me think through the modules and what what how we needed to work them. And so just a tremendous kingdom partner, and I really want to thank them for their their efforts in, in helping us launched this school. And, and one, one of the things that I've sometimes heard is that very often it, it, a church might send out somebody to be a missionary. They'll send them to go work with an established missionary, but maybe they haven't really done anything to vet whether or not they've been called or you know they're properly equipped or anything like that. So I really appreciate the way that you're approaching this. How, how are you able to, you mentioned all these partners, how do you partner with them to make sure you get the right people to the right locations? Well, first of all, you just have to see the, the track record of the missionaries, track record of, of the health of, of a team and the health of a disciple maker and a leader. And so as we see that they are fruitful and obedient, as we see that their calling and their equipping is, is really robust and really the vision too, the vision of, of the workers and, and the, and the uh, desire for no place left vision for that, that reaching a whole community, reaching a whole area, reaching a whole region of the world. And so we're also looking for strategic areas where we know the gospel has not yet gone. And so we say, how do we place a worker in a team that has this no place left vision? So, for instance, 
in India right now, there's really been a, a, a co-laborship and a partnership to put new workers on, on catalytic teams to plant reproducing churches and train, train leaders in those countries. And so it's a real, it's been a robust strategy. I know other organizations have been working over there and it's really been a, a beautiful kingdom partnership. Okay, yeah. And and about this missionary training school, you mentioned that there's classroom and there's also some practical stuff. Is there anything specific about where you're locating the school that facilitates some of this stuff? Absolutely. So we're we're locating the school in Nashville, actually about an hour south of Nashville so, and on a 95-acre farm. And the farm is really a part of the journey which is saying, "Hey, there's going to be some real practical stuff to do on the farm just to see how how do you handle simple tasks? How do you handle okay, every morning you need to feed the chickens or every morning you need to make sure the the grass is cut and the flowers are watered." I mean, there's just something about obeying Jesus through simple tasks uh, as part of a missionary assignment. And then secondly, when, when we go back into the city, there's, we're going to have targeted, targeted areas where we already have church planters and church planting strategies in place among the unreached, unengaged people groups. And hopefully that really equips them to learn and grow and be equipped to reach those same people groups wherever they would go in the world. So we're really trying to partner them up with people groups and strategies and places where they can get on the ground training and, and really accelerate their learning process. Wow. That, that's really good. So as I think about that farm it, it, and the way you've described it, it almost seems a little bit to me like a monastery is, is my assessment of that sort of accurate or am I way off base? I think a monastery would certainly have, there's certainly elements of that. And again, we prayed through where to put this uh-huh. training school. I think that there is a beauty in a pastoral way of just being, being away. However, I think, as I was talking to some of the couples that are preparing to come here, I said, this is really a, a preparation season. So think about it as how do you prepare for your missionary journey? And so there is a, a real opportunity. However, because of the way we're modeling this two days a week, they'll be back in the city. There is a rhythm of movement. There's a rhythm of engagement. So yeah, they'll have, so monastery, yes, but maybe more like a preparation center, a training center. So there'll be a lot of activity, a lot of preparation, a lot of equipping there. That'll, that'll take place. Okay, yeah, that, that's good. And I, I think that's probably a good segue as we go back and talk about City Church Network and the No Place Left residency program. How is that different from what you're doing with the training school? So the training schools are really high intense preparation, a lot of a- academic work, a lot of schoolwork, if you will, a lot of reading. The No Place Left residency is really on the ground training, on the job training. It's you're already in the field. You're already making disciples. You are you are planting churches. And so we want th- those guys are really your frontline pioneer workers. And the four month school is a preparation for that journey. So our, our hope and our goal is after these four months that we would place workers in Nashville among us, or they would go potentially to, to the Northeast United States, which is where we have one of our key partners planting churches up there. And then ultimately they would go to the nations. So there's, there's a potential progression uh, of sorts. If you look at it of Nashville, the Northeast U S which is one of the most unreached areas in the country. And then the nations targeting specific places among the unreached globally. So that's really our, our, our holistic strategy. Okay. You know, as you're sharing that, I'm just thinking about the U.S., and I recognize that being a Christian nation is actually a fallacy of logic, and that there are a lot of unbelievers, but to hear the U.S. being referred to as unchurched, that that's kind of shocking. Is that is that an accurate assessment of, of the U.S. to be unchurched? 
Yeah, I, I think as we look at missiological research now, uh, what we're finding in the U.S. is the U.S. as fastly becoming a couple things. One, unchurched or dechurched, one of the most unchurched countries in the world. We're now number four globally. If you look at global population of people that are not regularly in a church environment. And then the other strategic nature of America now is that we are home to over 500 unreached people groups. Mm. So there is a, a global alignment, a global realignment, a global migration of unreached people groups. And many of them are coming to America that that if we were to look at on a mission scale, they would be considered unreached. Less than 2% of their population would be considered Christian. Mm. And there's 500 of those people groups here, here in the U.S. now. Wow, that, that's powerful. Now, for those that are listening, you know, not everybody's going to be called to come alongside you in terms of actually joining you with boots on the ground. Some people might be called to come alongside you in other ways. What are some of the ways that people who care about what you're doing can partner with you? Great question. First of all, we always ask people, could you pray for us? Would you pray that the work would continue? Would you pray with us that the eyes of our heart would be opened up? Would you pray with us that we would see a generation of of new disciples and new leaders raised up that are multiplying to the fourth generation and beyond? So really, that's one of our our biggest prayer requests is generations of new disciples and new leaders and new churches being planted. The second thing I I would ask them is if they would desire to be updated with our ministry, they could certainly go to our website and fill out a request. They could send me an email and I'll be happy to give you my email address for just updates on our ministry. And then lastly, they could come to Nashville or they could go with us on a short-term mission trip. We've hosted probably 15 to 20 teams a year in Nashville that want to learn more about the nations. They want to learn more about the unreached people groups. They want to learn about reaching Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists for Jesus. So we really try to make Nashville a sending place and a learning place and an equipping place. Wow, that's good. With that, we are going to take one last break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus even more toward the listeners. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. We were uh, working, uh, at least I was working in Spain. And I noticed that in Spain, in the north of Spain where I live, there were no more than 13 missionaries at that time. And yet in Europe, Spain is the most over-missionaried country that there is. And yet most of the missionaries were living along the south coast or in Madrid in the holiday areas. And as I made contact with them, I found that most of them we're not doing what they've been sent there to do. Um, and it, they found it very difficult and embarrassing. Most of them were working with expatriates, not with Spanish people at all. And many of them did not have the equipment that they needed to be able to reach the Spanish people. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we're back with David Kaufman. He's been sharing a, a little bit about what's going on with the Missionary Training School, with the opportunities with the No Place Left residency, some ways that we can partner him with, with him and with their ministry. 
Now we're shifting our focus more toward you as the listener. We're going to draw from David's understanding, his resources, his perspective. David, as I think about ministry, a lot of times it seems like we're maybe drawn toward a ministry with a name. We want to do something. But I think that very often there are opportunities to engage in ministry right in front of us. What are the opportunities that you sometimes see that maybe people miss? Absolutely, Brian. I feel like for me, if I'm out and about and I'm looking around in my normal everyday life, I think it's just being what I call having gospel intentionality. I look for ways in which the gospel intersects normal life. So someone at, at a restaurant and that, that, that needs a prayer, someone who at the workplace who, who maybe needs a, a word of encouragement. And then I look for how does Jesus want to minister to that need? How do I want to encourage them? How do I want to give them maybe a story of hope? And so that really goes back to that equipping side, which is, if I'm prepared to tell someone a story of Jesus, now he, he feeds the 5,000 or he helps the woman at the well or, or how Jesus, you know, ministered the Gerasene pneumoniac in Mark 5. You know, I see all these things in Scripture. If I'm prepared and I just have this, this, this rhythm and this, I call these uh, story sets in my mind and my heart, then I'm ministering out of, out of the overflow of, of the word. And, just, and I'm just telling people, man, this is how God loves you. This is how God helps you. This is, this is a story from the it's a true story from the Word of God mm. that can minister to you in this situation. So, so I would just encourage people to to be bold with the Word. Let the Word do the work, as as uh, David Platt talks about. And as as I see the scriptures, I see the scriptures intersecting ordinary people all the time. So I would just encourage people to get out of their comfort zone, to to engage people with the Word, and then just. How do they? How can they pray for people? How can they minister? And then each week they can make a simple little chart, and, I'll, I'll, and we'll send you a link. It's just called a Go Tell Map or or, or or a Generations of Disciples Map, and they they can just say every week who are the three to five people that I want to interact with, that I want to talk to, that I want to encourage, and that just helps me stay focused focused and filter for people that God is ordaining me to interact with. So that's really a, a helpful tool that I use every week. And, and it really helps my the team around me to say, who am I focusing on? And I want to be very intentional to go talk to those people this week and share with them a true story from the Word of God. That's good. And I really appreciate the connection between the intentionality of having a, a map or a go-tell map and the prayer that goes in with that, as well as getting out, in, out there and doing something with it, actually taking action on that. I suspect that sometimes maybe people feel ill-equipped to to do that. Maybe they're not sure how to tell a Bible story or they're not sure which story to tell. Do you have any tips or maybe a resource that you'd point us toward that might help uh, pour into our lives? Absolutely. Several resources for that. One is my good friend James Harvey has a website called noplaceleftworld.com. And on that website, there are probably 45 to 50 right now. I know his goal is like 300 (laughs) Bible stories and where he's sketched them out. So just simple sketch drawings and also helps you tell the story, what to say and what to emphasize. And so uh, that's been a tremendous resource for us as we've been equipping leaders and equipping normal folks, the everyday disciples to make disciples, is to tell Bible stories and just to practice them with each other. So each week when we gather for team church on Tuesday mornings, we practice telling Bible stories. We practice telling the Word of God. We encourage each other with the Word. And so that just becomes a, a normal DNA for our team and our movement is we tell Bible stories and wherever we go throughout the day, we just look for ways to tell people the the word of God. And it's amazing when you pray and you have intentionality and you go tell people the word, how the word just comes to life. 
And so that's just something we've seen over and over again. So I would just encourage the listeners to go to that website or or just pick any Bible story, you know, from, uh, you know, from the word and just practice it. Practice telling it, retell it, tell it to your friends, tell it to your family members and just get confidence in it and then make a list of two to three people and say, this week, I want to go tell this Bible story to this person and just see how that that really transforms your life and their life. That's good. Now, in, a, in the last section, you mentioned that one of the ways that we can partner with you is in prayer. How can we best pray for you and for the ministry? I, again, what we've seen in the last three years since we've talked last, I've seen significant spiritual attacks and warfare, spiritual, and, and, and I talked to several of leaders, global leaders about our ministry in Nashville. And one of the things they said is that as, as you move more and more towards the heart of God and you move more and more towards movement and reaching the unreached, you have a bullseye on your back. You have a target from the enemy himself. And so we have seen just a lot, a lot of things from marriages being challenged, from doctrinal challenges, from – the list goes on and on. And I'm not trying to glorify those things. I'm just mm-hmm. saying these are the challenges we faced. And so I'd say, how can people pray for us? Pray that, that we would be encouraged in the Lord. Pray for our strength in the Lord. Pray that we would gain great confidence in, in what God is doing in our lives and that we would not get discouraged and we would not give up. We would not be distraught amidst all the challenges we've faced over the last couple of years. Wow, that's good. Now for us, if you could challenge us to do one thing in the next seven days, what would it be? Would it be the, the map and the prayer? Is there something else? Absolutely. So uh, what I would encourage you, the one thing that you could do, the most important thing you this week is make a, a go-tell map and map out three to five people that you know in your, in your relational network that what we would say are far from God. In other words, they're not close to God right now. They don't have a, a deep abiding relationship with Jesus. And then you practice telling one story from the word of God or two stories. And then you say, you go to them this week. So can I just tell you a story that I'm learning from the word of God and, and see how that that the Bible impacts their lives. And so that would be a real kind of action step this week that your listeners could do. Excellent. For those of you listening, we will make sure that we have links, resources, all of that stuff in the show notes. That will be at engagingmissions.com slash David Kaufman. And that's with two ends at the very end. Now, David, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Brian. Thanks for having me today. It's my pleasure. Now we're headed to Mongolia to catch up with Brian Hogan as he's reading from his book, There's a Sheep in My Bathtub. Over the last few weeks, we've heard about some of the things that happened as he went back for a celebration service and caught up with some old friends, also caught up with some people that he hadn't met before. We discovered some of the amazing things that happened because of the way Brian and the rest of the team passed on power as they left the country in the hands of the people that lived there in the first place. This week, we're going to hear a little bit more from Bagi and Nara, who went out as church planters, and some of the things that happened in their lives. When Bagi, Nara, and I met again at the conference, I asked them about the photo. I mentioned I was surprised that they had not stayed on in Darhan as pastors. With surprised looks, they responded, But Brian, we're apostles, and apostles leave. The model had been seen understood, and replicated. Now that is exciting to hear how the way that Brian and the team passed on their leadership then impacted the apostles that were sent out to do the same thing. That's encouraging to me, not only as I think about planting churches, but also the way that we raise our children and pour into the lives of others. The way that we do things 
impacts how those who come behind us will also do things. This is going to be the last that we're hearing from Boggy and Nara for right now. Next week, we're going to head to a different section of Brian's book, and we're going to discover some of the other amazing things that God did while Brian and his team were in Mongolia. I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Brian Hogan for making his book available to us. It was narrated by the author at Voice of the Martyr Studios, and Jeff Butterworth, who actually helps out with this podcast, also helped with the mixing and mastering. Jeff Butterworth has Sound Paradigm Studio just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. If you have a book that you would like to be able to make available as an audiobook, I would recommend that you connect with Jeff at soundparadigmstudio.co or send me an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com to start that conversation. And if you're interested in picking up the audio version of Brian's book, you can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash free book and then simply selecting Brian Hogan's book, There's a Sheep in My Bathtub, as your first download when you sign up to try out Audible's service. That again is engagingmissions.com slash free book. And then just select Brian's book as your first free download when you sign up to try out their service. I mentioned that I was going to have another way for you to help invest in the hearts and minds of your children or children that are connected to you. That's also, I think, a really good way to just connect and to be refreshed. This one probably doesn't get enough uh, attention, but the idea is simple. Take a missionary out to lunch or to coffee and take your family with you. Spend some time with them. Enjoy getting to know them, catching up, sharing your hearts and your minds. Just go out to lunch or dinner, and as best you can, do it as friends. You're going to care about their ministry. You're going to care about what's going on. But the important thing is just to sit there and talk, to be real, to enjoy your time with them, so that you and they and anybody who's with you can be refreshed and encouraged and perhaps have their hearts changed. This is going to be the last of these ideas that I have for right now that I'm sharing with you about involving others in missions and kind of gaining a heart for that. I'm going to shift my focus as we're getting closer to Ramadan to providing resources for connecting with Muslims. And these resources are actually available free from Global Initiative. I'm just pulling from their resources. They've given me permission to do this. And so starting next week, I'm going to be providing ways and resources for you to when you see a Muslim, connect with them and begin sharing your heart, begin building a relationship to begin pouring Christ's love into their lives. I'm believing God for $4,000 for Global Initiative so that they can do some of the things that they have. Visit engagingmissions.com slash fund16 to learn more about them and about this fundraiser, maybe to give a donation, maybe to connect. I really appreciate what they're doing. I believe in what they're doing, and I think this is a good thing for us to invest our lives and our money in. Thanks to David Kaufman for being with us and also to you for joining us. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash David Kaufman. That's David, K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. That's where you'll find ways to connect, share, and comment. Make sure you come back next Wednesday when we'll be hearing from Keith Smith about ministering to refugees as well as missionaries from around the world. The best way to make sure you don't miss this is to subscribe, if you haven't already, using your favorite podcast app. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. 
And if you have a story of how you have been equipped, challenged, or inspired through the Engaging Missions show, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.